Today, we're sharing the top five most important questions to ask on a venue tour. Whether you're just starting the venue search process or you've got your venue selected, these important questions will still be helpful as you continue planning all the logistics for the big day. So let's get to it. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Today's episode is brought to you by our Ask the Planner wedding planning template shop. Regardless of where you are in the wedding planning journey, our template shop has wedding planning shortcuts created just for you. Our most popular item is the ultimate wedding planning checklist for couples, no surprise there, and the wedding mood board template. The checklist is a game changer that tells you what to do when as you plan your wedding. And for all my decor-obsessed couples and fellow wedding pros, the Wedding Mood Board template organizes that messy Pinterest board into a cohesive decor plan. For my wedding pros out there, my styled shoot, photo, shot list, and timeline is also just for you. Get access to all wedding planning shortcuts and more in the Wedding Planning Template Shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. Make sure you use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Again, use the code PODCAST10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Welcome again to another episode of the Ask the Planner podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, and today I'm giving you the five big questions to make sure you ask on your venue tour or site visit. It's actually more than five questions because I just can't help myself. They're kind of like questions within questions, but we're going to dive in right now. Question one. How much does it cost and what is included in the price when you are renting this venue? Obviously, this is an important question to ask, but in addition to asking how much does it cost, make sure you ask these two related questions. One, what is the service charge? And two, if the tables and chairs and glassware and linens, etc., are all included, can we see them? Okay, first for the service charge. So a service charge is typically a fee the venue applies to their services, like catering, alcohol, sometimes even the venue fee. Typically, this fee is between 15 and 22%, but it varies from property to property. It's also not an insignificant amount because if you're spending, for example, $35,000 on catering plus alcohol, 20% of that would be an additional $7,000, which isn't peanuts. So make sure you ask about that. Second, for the tables, chairs, glassware, linens, all that stuff, this also varies from property to property. Some of these places have really nice new inventory. Other places have honestly terribly looking stuff. The linens are super thin. The napkins are really casual. The glassware is really cheap and heavy. Like think of like when you're in a banquet, like at high school, and you're at one of those giant facilities and you're drinking, well, you weren't drinking wine then, but like the glasses are super thick and they're just not 
that elegant feeling. So if you're excited because it's included, great, but I would ask to see that stuff just to make sure that you want to use that stuff. Rather than assuming that you're saving money because you can use whatever the venue has, make sure you're actually going to use it and it matches the aesthetic of your day before you completely write off that expense. So that's all the questions I have for how much does it cost? So that's question one. Question two, what is the maximum capacity for the ceremony and reception spaces? To go along with that, you should make sure you also ask, can we see a sample floor plan with our guest count? And is there enough room for a DJ, band, dance floor, etc.? So obviously you need to know if your guests can fit in the space. That's a no-brainer, especially for the ceremony and dinner. So for the ceremony... This probably won't be a big issue for you unless they tell you that the ceremony space is the same as the reception or dinner space. I hate it when a venue doesn't have a separate space for all of the events such as ceremony, cocktail hour, and dinner. Now, some of you might be planning to have your ceremony at a place of worship, so you're totally fine, so this doesn't apply to you. But if you are planning to have your ceremony at the property and they need to shuffle the tables around and reset things while people are at cocktail hour, I would try to avoid it. It makes for a very rushed setup and things are likely to fall through the cracks, which is super, super stressful for me. When we are setting up our dinners for our weddings, they take all day to set up. I could not imagine flipping a room in 60 minutes while people are having cocktail hour. Not to mention, you still have to break down all the ceremony chairs before you can even start to bring in the dinner tables and flowers, all that stuff. Going along with this, I would also ask about inclement weather or backup plans if any of your events are taking place outside. So sometimes it's really great if the weather is beautiful, awesome. But if the weather is not so good, are you going to have to repurpose a space and kind of shove people, not shove, but like, you know, kind of push people into a smaller space or what have you because you're running out of space? Are you okay with that? Okay, now moving on in terms of space and floor plans, I would definitely also ask to see a floor plan with the guest count that you're anticipating if it's anywhere close to what their maximum capacity is. And even if you're like, okay, we have 180 people and your maximum capacity is 225, we should be fine. Eh, Maybe, maybe not. For example, you might be dreaming of long rectangular dinner tables, but however, your guests can't will only seat in the room if they're all seated at round tables because that's the most efficient use of space. Is that okay with you? I don't know. In addition, if you're planning on having a band, the band is going to take up more space for a stage, access to power, somewhere to store their stuff. So make sure you check to see where they would need to set up their stuff And if they have space to store all of their gear, their cases, maybe a place to hang out, eat their dinner, etc. Their stuff, their equipment, all of their cases to move all of their, you know, their instruments and stuff takes up a lot of storage and no one wants to see all that stuff piled up in a corner in plain view. So make sure you ask about that as well. Okay, now we're going to move on to question three. Question three is, where does the wedding party typically get ready? If you're planning to get ready at the property, make sure you ask to see where you and your fiance are going to get ready. Some places have one really nice place, usually for the bride, 
and one kind of normal place or not as nice place or a regular place for the groom. But what if you're a same-sex couple? Who gets which room? More importantly, why does one person get the nice getting ready quarters and the other person gets nothing or you know, has to fend for themselves. So I would definitely ask about that and make sure that you're okay with that or just have a backup plan of where the other person is getting ready if you're not getting ready together. Also, when you are in the space where you're going to be getting ready, look around. What's the lighting like? Is it bright and sunny with lots of natural light or is it kind of dark and dingy? Will you want to take photos in this room or do you need to find somewhere else to get ready? Also, is there going to be enough room for all of you to get ready? So all of your maids, all of your wedding party, all of that stuff, any moms or sisters or what have you, or any other family that might be stopping by, all of the food, the champagne, and don't forget your hair and makeup stylist. Is there enough space for everyone? If not, where are all those other people going to be hanging out if there's not enough space? Okay, so before we get to our last two questions, let's do a quick recap of the first three questions that we just talked about. So question one, how much does it cost and what is included in the cost and what are the service fees? Two, what is the maximum capacity for the ceremony and reception spaces and can we see some floor plans to see how everybody fits? And three, where does the wedding party typically get ready? Okay. Number four, question four, now that you've checked out the spaces and assessed if they will work for you, it's time to think about the logistics. Make sure to ask, at what time do we have access to the property? Can you drop off the stuff the day of, the week of, the day before? What's that look like? Also, at what time can my vendors start loading in and by when do they need to retrieve all their stuff? So you don't know it now because you're starting wedding planning process, but you're going to have a lot of stuff to bring in to the venue. And it would be much easier to be able to drop it off ahead of the wedding so that it's one less delivery for you or your parents or whoever to make on the wedding day. Now, some places don't have space to store all of your stuff. Other places have space, but they're going to charge you for it. Other places won't even let you drop off any of your stuff or have access to the space until like 1 p.m. of the same day as your wedding. But maybe they will if you pay extra. So knowing all of this ahead of time is important for your planning. It may not affect your decision to go with a property, but it's important to note for later. Sometimes some vendors need more time in order to set up all their stuff. And if they're like, oh, we only have two hours to set up. Okay, we're gonna need more staff, so it's gonna charge you extra. That's something that you need to know. In addition, for loadout, at the end of the night, it's important to know by when you and your vendors need to retrieve all of your items. Some places require you to remove everything that night. That's stressful. If that's the case, your florist and your other vendors will need to know that as some places charge extra for same-day delivery and pickup. The same goes also for a Sunday retrieval as opposed to Monday. So just make sure you know ahead of time when everyone needs to take all of their stuff out and then you're communicating this with your vendors so that they're aware of this as well because they might be like, oh, I can't come back that same night because we have all these other deliveries and then I let my staff go. So it's going to be extra or whatever, whatever. So again, make sure you ask about that stuff. All right. And question five. Finally, the last question on our list are there specific vendors that we need to contract for certain things or are there additional fees we should be aware of if we use vendors not on your preferred vendors list? 
In addition, are these vendors paying to be on this list or are they on here because they've been vetted and you like them and there's nothing else? So I love a good preferred vendors list. As a planner, I'm like, oh, you like other people? Who are these people? I want to know. Oftentimes, it means that the vendors have been vetted by the venue and this venue knows that they provide quality services. Awesome. However, sometimes venues will only put vendors on this list if they pay to be included. I don't like this pay-to-play structure, and I think that if that is the case, the venue should disclose that information to you just so that you guys can make a fully informed decision. In addition to this, some venues require that you only work with their preferred vendors. Now, this can be for a lot of reasons, one of them being other vendors have screwed them in the past and they're not allowed back. So that's totally fine. It helps you. But sometimes venues will have flexibility with this list, but sometimes they won't. So if you already know of a vendor that you want to have and they're not on this list, I would make sure to ask if the venue is willing to approve new vendors who aren't on this list, or can you pay a fee to have them also provide services, or do you just need to show them their certificate of insurance? What is the process like? Just so that, again, you are aware and you can make the right decision based on your priorities. All right, and that concludes today's very short but very specific episode on questions to ask your venues during the venue tour. So let's do a quick recap of all of the questions. Question one, how much does it cost and what is included in the cost? What are their additional fees, if any? Two, what is the maximum capacity for the ceremony and reception spaces? And do they have sample floor plans with your guest count? Three, where does the wedding party typically get ready and can we see it? Four, at what time do we have access to the property? Also, by what time do we need to get out? And five, are there specific vendors that we need to contract for the wedding day? And are there any additional fees associated if we do not use them? All right, and that concludes today's very short but very specific episode on the five questions you need to ask on your wedding venue tour. For the episode show notes, make sure you visit verveventco.com forward slash 84. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 84. Four. For even more questions, because there's obviously so many more questions to ask, I actually have a free handout on my website called the top 20 most overlooked questions to ask your wedding venue. You can get this checklist at verveventco.com forward slash venue checklist. All one word, no spaces, no hyphenations. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash venue checklist checklist. I will make sure to also link to it in the episode show notes, which are again at verveventco.com forward slash 84. Of course, if you have questions about anything about I talked about today, send me a DM on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast or leave me a voicemail on our wedding planning hotline at 585-210-3467. Again, 585-210-3467. Now, before we get to today's review of the day, I wanted to check in with you and see how you are doing. How's 2023 going so far? Are you engaged? Engaged to be engaged? Are you a vendor? We have been very busy over here at the podcast interviewing our guests and preparing for a team photo shoot at the end of January. 
Also, I want to share a quick story with you guys. So over the holidays, we got our kids a fish tank. My daughter over the summer really, really wants, she's been wanting a hamster for so long, like for years. So we made a deal this past summer that if she quit sucking her thumb, she could get a fish. I know it's a very fair compromise, but we're gone too much. So I was like, I'm not taking care of something else and keeping it alive. Okay. So it actually happened and she quit sucking her thumb. And then our neighbor who babysat the kids since they were super little asked us if we wanted to adopt her fish named Tyrone. Now, the kids were super enthusiastic because they loved this babysitter and they watched Tyrone for a weekend while she was gone. So fast forward to Christmas, Tyrone was going to be upgraded to a nice new tank, but then he died three days before Christmas. The kids were super sad, but they were okay. So then we went to the pet store and got new glowfish to put in the new tank that we got Tyrone. And we named these new glowfish a pink one named Cosmo. The blue one was named Blue Whale. And the purple one was named Pepsi. Yay! So cute. Do you notice the theme? Well, all of them died within two to three hours of being put in the tank. It was kind of a shock. We were like, what? What just happened? So again, we went back to the pet store. We tested all of our water, did all of those strips, wanted to make sure like is the alkalinity and all that stuff like, okay. And it was fine. So the pet store refunded us for the fish that died, and they told us that their little fish actually haven't been doing really well, so it wasn't really a surprise. Sometimes even just the move is too much of a stress for them, so they don't make it after the move. So anyways, we moved on. We did not get glowfish. This time we got some mollies and platies, which I'd never heard of before. No more glowfish. So we named the black molly Midnight Moon an orange platy named Fanta, and then a black and white molly named Oreo. Well, Midnight Moon and Oreo were inseparable. Midnight Moon always chased Oreo, it seemed like, and they were doing really well. And so we were like, okay, we've made it three weeks. All the fish are still alive. Awesome. Two days ago, the kids were looking for Oreo and he was gone. One minute he was there and like two hours later, we come back and he's gone without a trace. Poof. Literally poof. He wasn't on the floor. He didn't jump out of the tank because the tank has a lid. He didn't get sucked up the air filter or the water filter because we checked that. Sadly, we think that Oreo died and Midnight Moon gobbled him up, which apparently is a very common occurrence. So back to the pet store we went. We got two more fish. So we still had Midnight Moon and Fanta. And we got two more fish. These are named Clementine, another orange one, and Dragonberry, which is an orange and black one. But Kieran calls him Dragon. So Dragonberry, but Dragon for short. I like to name him that because he's like an orange goldish color, which reminded me of this Dragonberry fruit that we had when I was in Florence on our honeymoon. So anyways, Kieran's like pointing to me and showing me the fish. Yes, Dragon is his favorite. So anyways, yes. So Dragonberry is friends. Dragon is friends with Midnight Moon. Okay, I share this story because the fish tank is in my office, so I see them every single day, and I wanted to share a little bit more about my life and what I'm looking at and what I'm doing over here when I'm talking to you. I also share this story because I love naming things. I think things are very real and have more weight when they have a name. It's very official. All our fish are named after drinks or food, and I'm starting to worry that one day we're going to run out of names for fish because they keep dying, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But the final reason I share this story with you is because I really want a name for you, the listener. 
I appreciate you so much and thank you so much for joining me every single week on the podcast. So I want to have a name for you as well. What do you want me to call you though? We're still running our contest to name the podcast fans. So if you submit the winning name, you will get a free all access one hour call with me to help plan your wedding. We can do your budget, your design, whatever it is, all that stuff. If you're a wedding vendor, we can talk about ways to run your wedding business better, how to start a podcast, literally whatever you want. I just want a name for you guys. So all you have to do to submit a name is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or send me a DM on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast, and we will vote at the end of February, all of us on Instagram probably, I guess, on the name for you. So I hope that you take a minute think about what should we call us? What should we call our community? I really want a name for you all. I know you're not going to let me down. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, for example, think about how Taylor Swift has her Swifties, the Low Life podcast, which I love. Lo, who's a stylist for the stars, has a Low Life podcast and he has the Low List, the, wait, no, the Low Lifers and then if they listen in the car, they're called low riders. I just think it's so cute. Anyways, you guys deserve a name. So let's think of one. Okay, now it's time for our review of the day. Today's review of the day comes from SRO511, who writes, love the tips, such a great podcast. I love all of Desiree's episodes, and she has such a warm personality. Oh, thank you. Highly recommend this podcast to all couples planning a wedding. Thank you so much, SR0511, for that very sweet review. Yes, if you love this podcast, we would appreciate it so much if you shared the podcast with someone else who might appreciate too. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. I know today's episode was short and sweet. I can't wait to talk to you next week. On next week's podcast, we're getting all the ins and outs of flower preservation. What exactly is flower preservation? Well, you will have to listen to find out. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 